Welcome to the We Are From Dust podcast, episode six, Art as Activism. I'm Katie Eldridge with We Are From Dust. We are an art nonprofit organization dedicated to installing large interactive art in public places and spaces. Today, I'm joined by Marco Cochran and Julia Cortell. They are partners in life, and in art and business. Marco may be best known for his series of three monumental sculptures, all of which debuted at Burning Man beginning in 2009 with Bliss Dance. Julia is an attorney and mediator and is the co-creator of Bliss Project and additional art installations the pair is working on. We'll hear more about that today. Julia and Marco, thank you so much for taking time out to chat with us, Marco. Maybe we can rewind a bit just about just about your background and your upbringing and just those, just those the early days of of having your mind open up to creativity. All right. Well, then let's go back to uh, the '60s <laughs> and Berkeley. And uh, I lived on uh, Haste and Telegraph, which is uh, where People's Park was, and uh, lots of riots, and tear gas, and rubber bullets shot into crowds, all that kind of thing. I was seven, six, seven, eight at that time, and um, my parents were, really, dad especially, really active in the anti-war movement and the diggers and hippies were first starting. <laughs> but, uh, and were your, your parents were artists as well? Yes. And my mom taught yoga and meditation and my dad p- painting and like built a teepee with students at, at uh, UC Berkeley. And uh, they sort of ran a, unofficial safe house for people having bad acid trips they would bring them to our house so it's a very trippy start <laughs> and uh obviously they're activists and i didn't really want to be an activist but what else am i going to do once you start looking around you, you have to <laughs> so activism is part of it then when I was seven, my close friend that I grew up with got raped by a stranger outside of our house. And my mom told me what had happened. And I thought, well, we're going to stop the world, right? I mean, this is a really extreme thing that just happened. And uh, the world did not stop. And none of the parents even talked about it again. And I was kind of blown away by that. I've been doing, still doing a little therapy around this. <laughs> just, just the massive disappointment in, in humanity uh, for not acting on this. And sa- same with, uh, since had, having hippie parents, my, I was t- shown, told what was going on with uh, the black community and police and all that. And it's still going on. All this stuff is still going on. Um, So I started thinking I should do art about it. And one of the 
I guess the, the part that I just couldn't wrap my head around was how could he do this to a kid and what would make it seem reasonable. And I thought maybe he, he must've forgotten that she was a person. And as I got older, I could see that that, that is what happens. And so I started doing artwork around women just standing the way they naturally stand, just, just being normal people um, and being human pretty much without an agenda, you know, like in their own space, expressing themselves however they would. And that's the seed for the beginning of all these large scale sculptures. And then- uh, And you started, and, and when, you were, when you were making these sculptures, you started in clay, correct? Yes, in clay, yes. In like one third scale, so about two feet tall to three quarter which is about four and a half feet tall. Of uh, the three large sculptures are of Deja Solis, and I'm I'm actually at her, her uh, on her land right now, in Grass Valley. We're starting a group of new sculptures. And um, so, I you know I remember meeting you when you brought Bliss to uh, to the playa. Can you talk about how and why you were inspired to increase the the size of, of yeah. <laughs> because yeah. it's, it's a large jump I would I would I would imagine and for people who haven't who don't know you and haven't seen your work maybe you can talk about about going from exhibit A to exhibit B and B being bliss so I went to uh, Burning Man for the first time in 2007 and Crude Awakening was there and it had 10 around 30 foot figures done by Karen Cusolito. And I saw those figures and thought, I need to step up my game in big time. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, holy shit. Um, right. So I, I didn't go in 2008. And then in 2009, um, I went and I had been working it, on small pieces around structure, structures made out of triangles that were not straight, that were bent and curved and looking at the possibilities of that. And uh, then I was standing at one o'clock between the temple and whatever giant sound camp there was. And it, I just saw the whole thing, how to do it. Um, how to structurally build it and Bliss Dance had been on YouTube. I just, I just did a video of stills of me working on it in clay and it gotten 3 million hits. Wow. Which I could figure out why. Okay. Well, you know, this is back when it was brand new, <laughs> like 2006 or something. And um, so I thought clearly the universe wants this piece and it's standing on one leg. And um, my ex is a engineer and I so I asked her if it was possible to do this in the way and she said oh yeah it's fine it's it's no problem when she got her student to uh, take it on as the project so when uh, Martinez now she's head engineer for burning it <laughs> so that's a good little story yes yeah and then just a I, I really want to, I want to loop in, in Julia. When did the two of you meet? 
in this this timeline? We met in was it July of two thousand eight? Yeah, it was July yeah. of two thousand eight. Yeah, yes. So before bliss, pre bliss, pre bliss. Yes, we met at a mutual friends party. There's actually a little video that was shot of us telling this story. I can't remember what the name of it. There was um, Global Glue. Named, Global Glue, exactly. Global Glue. Um, he he went he went around shooting little 15 minute videos or 10 minute videos of couples and how they met and what their story was and how they stuck together. So that. it's a funny it's a funny little story, but I don't know that we have time for it here and now. But that's when we met. <laughs> <laughs> and so the I assume the two of you were were embarking on this um, this journey to erect bliss dance. And do you want to talk about that? I mean, coming out to the playa, having you know you, you you'd had this vision, and then figuring out creatively and structurally that it was possible, and then making that happen. We sort of have different areas where I think that was of expertise or, you know, expression. And that was one of the things that made not just bliss, but in particular, especially once we moved on to doing the whole series of including truth is beauty and revolution. So my background is that I'm a lawyer and I think that the, like my organizational skills and my fundraising skills and my just like a totally different side of the brain you know focused on that part of the project and that gave Marco like all the space and he could just focus on how am I going to do this because he was inventing things to make it happen like every he had to create everything from scratch like how to do this and Marco so you know I I'd you can speak to that, but I think that that partnership enabled it to happen because he could focus on, on just, you didn't have to worry about the other pieces of it. And that, I think that is the challenge for, I think any artist can relate to this where you want to do your art and then the necessary evils that come with that, the funding, right. the marketing, the talking to people, <laughs> you know, all those right. All those things that that come with it to make it to make it possible to keep doing what you love to do. So what what a great what a great partnership. Right, and the storytelling yeah. like that. You know, Marco has his his. He, you just heard him tell his you know his motivation and his background story, but we also worked really closely together to to how to like communicate that in a way that was most impactful and like how do we tell this story and what do we want to say and especially at the beginning we spent hours and hours and hours and hours like honing it to like a sentence you know that was fun that was, that was fun i was about to say the same thing yeah <laughs> <laughs> and when we when we hit on it i'm skipping a little bit ahead here because we didn't introduce this until truth is beauty but sort of the message of the bliss project was yeah, let's, yeah, is, let's talk about that because that's the, that's the thread that brings all of these together. Mm -hmm. Yeah, is um, what would the world be like if women were safe? And that is something that like was 
I don't know. I don't remember who, which one of us said that first, but we were honing and honing and honing and working on it and working on it. And when that was said aloud, we both went, yeah, that's what this is about. That's what we're trying to say. That's what, that's what Deja is saying. She's, Mm -hmm. she's, that's her expression. Can we go back? How was that initial connection made with Deja? And, for, and again, for backstory for those listening, mm-hmm. this is the, the woman, the dancer, the healer who, who you have, have worked with to, to create these sculptures or in her, in her shape. They're from her. Like, I don't guide her or anything. I don't tell her what to do. I was doing a group of five sculptures of three different women, and I was needing a, a tall person, tall woman. And I saw, saw her at Blockbuster Video in Monterey, and uh, <laughs> she seemed to be, she was, she was total hippie, wearing like three skirts, two sweaters, a big hat, and it was wintertime. And uh, so I couldn't tell what she looked like, but I could tell she moved really well and she was tall. And so uh, I just checked my gut and it said, yeah, you should do this. And I haven't, I've never done it before or after because I'm not the type, but um, I followed her into Trader Joe's next door with my portfolio and asked her if she would pose for this group. Cause I had already done the first 10 sculptures. So there was at least some kind of, sense of what was going on it's funny she's been she wrote something about this whole meeting who's the creeper it's the name of it because she's like who is this guy why is he following me what year was the the blockbuster incident uh 2005 wow and she decided that she would be able to do it and so we started in working and asked her like what does she want to do with her what is she doing with her life? And she said, I want to bring goddess energy into the world. And I thought, yeah, that's, that's what I'm doing too. I mean, that was the point of all this work. So we did sculptures that were her expressing feeling safe, feeling powerful, feeling super present in the world, accepting herself. There's a bunch of different versions of it. Uh, at the time, we had no idea that they were going to be huge. I didn't know how I could do that yet. How does that process work? Are you, are you casting her? Are you? No, it's all clay. It's all actual sculpting. So there's a a bunch of clay and then you have to smush it into a, make it look like her. (laughs) There we go. Some assembly required. Some assembly. The old fashioned style. And then I had done um, enlargements of sculptures and molds of sculptures for I don't know. I don't know. Past like 15 years. That's how I made a living is enlarging other, other people's sculptures. So I did know how to do that. I'd never done anything on the scale that of these big ones, but I did, I did understand the basic process for scaling up sculptures. And that was all done with the pantograph, which was invented in 1602. So it's very low tech. No computers or anything. Taking it, um, taking it way back. Yeah. Yeah, old um, school. You're talking to us today at at her space. What what are you What are you currently working on? 
at least two different concepts, but one of them is initially why I came up here was the idea that with this COVID lockdown, like I've been doing a lot of internal work and she was doing a lot of internal work and Julie's doing a lot of internal work. And I, and she was feeling like Deja was feeling like she was on some level, she was going to come out of this a different person that changes would be made that she would actively do. And the difficulty in sort of shedding your old skin and being a new person, taking old patterns and, and uh, climbing out of them. So that's a piece that's not physically in reality, but mm-hmm. that's the next one we're going to work on. And the one we have been working on is her giving herself, her, her teenage self, a hug, like mothering her, her child, her inner, her, her inner child, and feeling that from the kid's perspective and feeling it from the present time adult's perspective. And that was harder, actually, because I'm having to imagine what her 13-year-old self is like. I can't, it's interesting that I can, I can actually do it. I, I'm, I thought I could figure out. I, I've sculpted her a lot, so I know what she looks like. And I could imagine what she looked like at 13. And she had brought a bunch of pictures out. And I was like, oh, yep, okay. It's actually, I do understand this, which is a funny having sculpted for so long. I've always been interested in aging patterns and noticing that people are related to each other structurally and stuff like that. So it's something I've focused on a lot and it makes it possible to do something like this. <laughs> you know, I, I'm thinking about, I'm thinking about these, you know, the, the la- these larger pieces and the series that you have, have created and how, they've gone on to live on in in different places and spaces so las vegas bay area how important is that to you and can you talk a little bit about that i i know that when people are creating when artists are creating these these larger format pieces i mean there's there's the figuring out there's the there's the doing and the success of having done it. And then there's the, then what, which I imagine might be a little stressful. Maybe just talk about that because I, I would love to hear what's up, what that's like when you, when you find a, a forever home or even a, a semi-permanent home for a piece that's this impacting. When I'm doing these pieces, I have, uh, you know, I wish that I had some sense of where they belonged. It feels like it's kind of scary and empty to not know that. But I have not known it at all. Never imagined, couldn't imagine where they would go. And um, now it's all Julia's. <laughs> <laughs> so earlier I was talking about, you know, how our <laughs> partnership has worked. I'm the primary person on the what's next where does, where should it go phase of things? And meaning like that's in my, my basket of, of working to make that happen. To me and to Marco and to Deja, it's been really important that these sculptures have a life 
beyond Burning Man because we all three believed, and, and also everyone on the crew, that, that what, what we're saying, what we're all saying with these sculptures is a message that we want out in the world. The sculptures are the sculptures, but they're also the message and the meaning of the sculptures. And it was always a plan of, okay, where are these gonna go? And it, and it, took, a, it took a long time, it took five years. I mean, Bliss, Bliss um, when we came home from um, Burning Man in 2010, I did get a placement of that really pretty quickly on Treasure Island. Out, it was supposed to be temporary for six months. Uh, and we worked with Braff on that. And, and that was sort of motivated to get to happen very quickly because our then crew lead, his name was Lloyd, got cancer. And we really wanted to have Bliss be installed so that he could see the sculpture one last time. And so we, we worked really quickly on that temporary installation and got a grant and got it through the Treasure Island Development Authority and Art Commission and there she was. And they, they kept renewing and renewing and renewing, you know, four and a half years or something. And in the meantime, the whole time we were looking for permanent placement and there was all, there was, multiple sort of attempts that that just didn't work for one reason or another and then an interesting thing happened where a friend of ours connected connected me with a casino owner in Las Vegas and you know that that felt really strange at first and and we went there this is not where she ended up but this was our first trip to Las Vegas to look at this other site from a different casino. And while we were there, after going on a big tour and seeing the potentials, we called Deja and we said from the hotel room at like two in the morning or something. Remember that, Marco? Yeah. We, we said, Deja, we are here. We, we didn't even, it was so spontaneous. We didn't even tell her before we left, I don't think. So there we are in Las Vegas and we called her and we said, Deja, what would you think about bringing Bliss Dance to Las Vegas? And cause we were sort of like, does this make any sense? <laughs> like right. the, you know, like this seems really, you know, cognitive dissonance a little bit here. And her response was, no, that's perfect. Like we don't want to be preaching to the choir. At, at, you know, at Burning Man, everyone agrees with us already. We want to go right to where we will cause controversy. And so, you know, I think Marco and I were both like, yeah, duh, of course. Like, we want to cause a stir. We want people to notice. We want to change hearts and minds. So that particular placement didn't work out. But um, about a year later, the same friend introduced us to the CEO of MGM and he from the minute we met him just got it and that's that that was sort of the key it was the same with truth is beauty when we met the the people from that company um, in San Leandro they mm -hmm. came to the studio mm -hmm. and you, it, there was just like a connection of okay this is this is going to happen. I felt like in both those cases, this is going to happen. And in both cases, it took over a year before the, 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 it actually happened. 
but it was just sort of, I felt the connection, these, you know, Jim Murren from MGM, from MGM, he gets it. And Gay Quinn from, from, uh, they called them, call themselves Westlake Urban, but now they're San Leandro Tech Campus. She got it. And the people that she brought with her, Debbie, they, they got it and wanted to bring the sculptures with their messages. Like they wanted to talk about the message, to have it be not just a pretty sculpture, but what would the world be like if women were safe and carry that message. And for, for each of you, I mean, bringing different pieces to this, to this partnership, to this creation and placement of art and the message once they have reached this next location, this next home that reaches a whole nother audience, can you speak to what that feels like, you know, visiting this creation in a, in a new place? It, it, it does sort of feel like the kids have moved out <laughs> and you're visiting them at their house right. and they're grown up now and uh, have their own lives. At least for me, I do have that kind of, of attachment to them. Like they do feel like my kids. My kids are, will be pissed that I just said that, but you know, <laughs> I'll have to work it out with them. Uh, so there's a level of just letting go. But mm -hmm. also in both cases, I, like I never thought Vegas would be a place that would take on that message. And I don't know if Me Too had already happened. I, had, I don't think it had happened yet. No, it, it had not. Yeah, so Me Too hadn't happened yet. So it was a really interesting moment to, uh, which I had intended from the time I was a teenager to focus in this area and, and someday maybe, I, I had this sort of image of, I grew up in Santa Cruz, and if you were, if one was to catch a surf a tidal wave, the only way you could do it was to be was to be paddled way way outside and ready for this wave. And so that was sort of my thought process around doing sculptures that, at the time, don't make any sense, but you just still have to do them anyway. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was quite amazing to have that sculpture installed and then have me too happen and because that's what the point of it is to be in support of that type of thought and feeling and i don't know if it did anything or affected you know just just maybe in the zeitgeist of humanity it felt like i was proud of that kid for being there at the right time and san leandro also they even took it more seriously oh, they yeah. do take it more seriously and that was far beyond what I would have expected uh, any placement to be like, so. I'm just wondering too, I mean, that it's almost like a, maybe it's like a, a rebirth in a way. I mean, you, you've already first all of the effort and all of the coordination for Burning Man and then all everything that goes into this whole next placement and then experiencing that. Yeah, it was pretty, in both cases, it was 
for me, I mean, the, the most, some of the most memorable, I can't imagine <laughs> the experiences or accomplishments that I'll ever have to get these kinds of permanent placements like that were both in both cases were sort of dream dream placements in in that and especially again I mean Las Vegas took on the took on the message and the plaques right there on the plaza and the CEO recorded a talk about you know for his all the employees of MGM and you know amazing thing has happened there and in San Leandro you know, there's high school programs around it. There, local women's groups have meet. You know, domestic violence survivors have meetings there, and um, the it's like become the the symbol. Truthy's beauty has become like the symbol of rebirth for San Leandro, adopted by the city as their their icon, and to be a part of facilitating making that happen and helping them craft their story about how they were going to, you know, but they, they were concerned that, you know, there might be some certain elements, conservative elements in the community that would be worried about a 50 foot naked female sculpture in the middle of their city, <laughs> you know, so there were a lot of considerations, considerations, exactly considerations and working through like that's, I really like pr problem solving and, and, helping and, and, you know, helping them be a part, being part of those process and having them succeed, like beyond their wildest dreams and being a part of that is really gratifying. So, so here we are with things happening still in the world. Mm -hmm. How do you, how do you both see your, your role with creating these pieces and, and the importance of that um, amidst chaos on on so many on so many levels, how can how can this work help? Well, I think this is time to talk about Gaia, right? Right. <laughs> Softball. Yeah, I guess I'd start out by saying that. What is Gaia for people who are not familiar? Gaia is. You know, so the question with what would the world be like if women were safe was at, was the Bliss Project and those three sculptures were Deja and that was the question. And Gaia is a sculpture that we were working on for Burning Man 2020, now 2021, that is basically my answer, my answer to the question of what would the world be like if women were safe. And my answer is that I would put more nurturing energy into the world. And the sculpture is me <laughs> and the pose, it's hard, it's kind of hard. It's a reclining female. It's, I'm reclining, I'm on my side. And I'm, it's inspired by um, when I used, I have three sons, when I used to take my kids to the beach and I would lie on the beach on my side with my, you know, head propped up on my arm watching them run and play and skip and bear, skip well they 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 wouldn't want me to say they were skipping but they were you know running around playing burying each other in the sand and just like having fun and feeling safe because their mom was there and and I was creating sort of this cozy you know safe place with my physical presence 
a home base. And that's the pose. And this was all conceived of two, almost a year and a half ago, way before, or maybe two years now, and way before COVID. And then in conjunction with that, with the idea of the sculpture, we wanted to create community again, because we hadn't done a piece since 2015 for our friends and family and crew and a place um, at Burning Man for that would that would have that kind of energy a nurturing space in the middle of the desert um and marco i'll you can talk about this the way that there's just the whole concept of the sculpture uh, like how it's being built and what the intent was uh, was also done differently to 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 create and build communities the way the first three sculptures were built I used Panagraph and I placed a lot of the pieces myself. Kind of got into a, like each sculpture I placed more and more pieces just because it's, I'm crazy, that's part of it. But um, it kind of took more and more of the work away from the crew. And uh, this time I wanted to figure out a way of making it so that way more people could be part of the actual physical build because I know that that's uh, there's a certain connection when you when you actually physically put parts on something and you can walk up to the piece and say I did that one you know I did that area and there's a certain type of ownership on of, of the piece itself and the idea is that that would become a community of people who physically did it. And the other sculptures had that too, but this one has opportunity for a larger group of people to do it and kids to do it. And there's like 30,000 pieces and it's set up in a way that it's being built over a wooden form so that it's sort of a no brainer now. <laughs> how to do it it's still a little bit difficult but it's not too much it can be taught and where is it right now it's in petaluma and it has a facebook page gaia 2020 so you can see photos of the process up until i don't know a month ago or something or three months ago <laughs> it hasn't been too much it's been a little activity since everything got shut down but mostly by me there are areas like the face and hands and feet that I still had to do the old-fashioned way with the pantograph but this new way at least in my mind the point was to have a hundred people or 200 people who actually physically touched it and built part of it because that's just I've, I've worked on other people's projects and it, it's it's a completely different feeling to have actually touched it than to just walk up and see it and Part of that vibe is 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 part of what I see is the it, when when we're lacking, or or there's too much male energy, which is what I'm sort of fighting against with all of these sculptures, is this this detachment from nature and our physical bodies, and the guy energy the the mother energy is, is like very tactile. There's a lot of 
skin to skin and real connection to another being that happens in mothering. And um, now that this COVID thing is happening, it's like, okay, the timing again was, was perfect to do this piece. Right. And that's magic. <laughs> you know, that's oh. magic to depend on on a daily basis to function. Um, the other piece I wanted to say, which is just like a physical piece that is different about this particular sculpture, which I, when Marco like realized this, um, and incorporated it into how he was building the sculpture. It just was like felt, oh yeah, of course, it's perfect. The patterns on the Bliss Project sculptures were, you know, it was triangles um, covered in stainless steel mesh. And this time the pattern is um, a flower of life pattern. So the whole sculpture is, instead of made of triangles, is, is curves, is flowers of life. Circles. Circles. Unlocking circles. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Which is, I don't know, just the symbolism of that. Well, it's pretty, but it's also yeah, it's the, the actual structure of the universe. <laughs> right. Which is, which is yeah. a good thing. Yeah. This, nurt this focus on nurturing, again, the, the timing is uh, quite impeccable. Yeah. And the yeah. Land for Gaia is, is still the playa, just the playa in a year. Yeah, the playa in a year. So now we just will have more time to, so we won't have that, hopefully we won't have that last minute insanity because we'll have more time to, uh, to build. It's still the playa. Yeah. <laughs> you have to have but a But still uh, to the playa. But hopefully our, our, hopefully our July and August of next summer will be a little more relaxed. Well, I do have a next project going. Not the one, right. not the ones of Deja, but I have, I'm going to do a, a copy or my version of the Venus of Willendor, which is the oldest sculpture ever found, 30,000 years old. Mm -hmm. And it's, uh, it, you can look it up, but it's my interpretation of that. We were in Paris last year and I saw the original and I thought, wow, I, I'm, I'm in the you know thirty thousand year lineage of doing female nude sculptures. <laughs> thirty thousand years is a long time ago. It wasn't any anything that we know of going on back there. And so, I'm doing a version of that, and we'll see if it goes to Burning Man. Julia, if people want to follow the latest works that you're you're both involved with, where where's where's the best place to? to tap in? Well, if you want to follow Gaia, that's Gaia 2020 on Facebook. You can follow Mar you can friend Marco on Facebook, Marco Cochran. Yeah. We have a web page, which is marcococranesculpture.com or .net, Wait, it'll all come to Marco. And those are really the three, we do have an Instagram for Gaia as well, but I think there's more on the Facebook. Um, yeah, I'm doing lots of process. Yeah, and Marco's my, posting my lots. personal Facebook page. Yeah, his personal Facebook page. He's posting lots of the Venus, the the photograph, the sculpture he just talked about. He's also post. He just posted a sculpture, a commission that he did for that's just got placed at. Um, it's in South San Francisco, 
and the opening was supposed to be in May, but they've postponed it because of COVID. But you can see it as you're driving to and from the airport. Um, it's on the it's on the right hand side if you're driving to the airport. And that he's posted from the very beginning, from the work with the models, the clay, up all the way through the metal and mesh. And that's two figures. Well, thank you both so much for for taking the time, and we'll definitely have links to this on the on the podcast, and we'll be following your work and well aware of the importance of it right now, but but always. So thanks for the time. Thank, thank you. you. You have been listening to the We Are From Dust podcast. Links to all of the sites and projects referenced here are available on our website wearefromdust.org. We Are From Dust is a nonprofit organization. You can support our mission to bring the transformative power of interactive art to public spaces by making an online donation. We Are From Dust is fiscally sponsored by Sierra Art Foundation.